welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. <laughs> yes. Thank you guys so much for joining back in with me. This is Mike Settle running it solo for you here at the Sports Buffoons. And we have a few things to talk about here as far as last night's game, including the Chiefs' victory over the New England Patriots of 26-10. to 10. And Chiefs' Twitter, oh my God, we got to have a discussion here for just a minute. Y'all need to chill the hell out every once in a while. Okay, yes, it was not the perfect game. It was 6-3 to three at halftime. But some of the things I was seeing on Twitter, right now I got a problem with you guys. You guys are so emotional, so upset about every little thing. I mean, you're over there going, oh, if Cam Newton was in the game, we'd be down by three scores by now. And, you know, we're whining and crying and all this kind of stuff. Like, guys, if you never watched football before, do you not see how this plays out sometimes? Sometimes you just follow the game script of the way things are unfolding. And if Cam Newton was in the game, that game is different. But also the Chiefs play differently at the same time. So... I mean, it's just you got to put some things into in perspective every once in a while, and that's all I'm asking you guys. But, like, as I'm sitting there at halftime, when it's 6-3, to three, I'm going through Twitter real quick. You know, I don't really get on Twitter too much during the games. Um, I try to stay locked in. But it's like, you know, you get people over here going, uh, not for nothing, but the Patriots would be kicking, kicking the living shit out of the Chiefs with Cam Newton. Like, would you guys chill? Just relax a little bit. I mean, this guy... <laughs> Every game is going to be a little bit different. Not every game we're going to go out there and just blow out the opponent and run them over and just destroy them kind of like we did the Baltimore Ravens or other teams we've done in the past. Um, this is still the NFL. This is still something where the, the Chiefs are not a perfect team. There are no perfect teams, as a matter of fact. Even the best teams of all time will eventually run into a situation where they, they have a bad half or a bad quarter, even a full bad game, obviously. So it's part of football. All I'm asking is you guys need to relax a little bit. And just the overreactionary emotional standpoint from you guys. And then we got other people going on here. Like, oh, congrats, Chiefs. You beat the Patriots practice squad with endless help from the refs. And now we're going on about the refs, which the refs were pretty bad. But guess what, New England? I don't give a damn. You guys had so much luck and so many things go your way over the course of the last 20 years that now you guys are going to go whining and crying because now it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' time to shine, and they're going to get a couple calls going their way every once in a while. That's the way the NFL rolls, and unfortunately there are some things in the NFL that are not, that are not fair. We know that. We've experienced that as Chiefs fans, and you guys, Patriots fans, you know it too. You know that there's been calls that have gone your way. You, got, you had something very similar with Patrick Mahomes on that uh, little, you know, basically a tuck rule type situation, but they call the play dead. But then again, what's your, what's your head coach and what's Bill Belichick doing over there running around yelling at the referees? How about you throw the challenge flag on that play? It could be under review. It could have still been reviewed. Instead, the Chiefs rush out there, get their punt team on, kick the ball off, and guess what? You ran out of time. <laughs> you fooled around too much. You could have fixed the play call, but instead you guys fooled around. Um, and then there's other people out there, you know, judging Andy Reid and stuff like this, going, oh, Andy Reid is the man, but this game has showed that Bill Belichick is still the best coach in the NFL. Are you kidding me? I, don't, I didn't see Andy Reid running up and down the sidelines, wasting time, or, you know, putting his quarterback, Brian Hoyer, in a situation where he takes a sack to run out the game clock. And your quarterback didn't even know how many timeouts you had. He didn't realize you didn't have any timeouts at the end of the half. He's over there trying to call a timeout when there's no time left on the clock, taking a sack. Are you kidding me? I mean, that, that right there comes down to coaching alone. So we're not going to go over here and go, oh, yeah, Belichick outcoached Andy Reid today. He outcoached him completely. God, relax. Put things into perspective, you guys.
We got other people, of course, on there going on about Harrison Butker. Oh, that's it. Tell him this is his last chance. He can't keep missing field goals like this. I mean, the best statistical t kicker in Chiefs history. And we're going to go on there whining and crying because he's missing a couple of kicks here and there. After just literally two weeks ago, he kicked multiple 50-yard field goals to end up winning the game against the Chargers. And now we're going to be whining and crying about Butker. Would you just chill? <laughs> How do I get you guys to relax a little bit and stop being so emotional about every little thing? Like, I don't really know what Butker's problem is right now with his kicking game, but he will get it under control. He's a very good kicker. He's a terrific – honestly, he's a top-five kicker in the NFL. I think he's right behind Justin Tucker personally. Um, he's just going through a little little phase, a little streak, whatever, getting some timing down. Whatever, whatever it is, it will be figured out as time goes on. We just finished week four of the NFL season. Uh, things happen. It's, an, it's a season of ups and downs. Ride the waves, you guys. Enjoy the waves. I know for me, when I was watching that game, I'm sitting there at halftime, and I'm kind of giggling a little bit. I'm just kind of laughing at myself at this score just because I know the outcome of this game before it's even going to happen. You know, if you've paid attention to Mahomes and the Chiefs and the way we play, um, those kind of things happen. And the Patriots do have a good defense as well, so got to give them some credit in that regard. Uh, so you can't just come out there expecting the Chiefs to go roll over everybody like we're Alabama. It's still the NFL. But some of this, some of this angry and emotional and reactive type of things you guys have going on on Twitter, gosh, I don't even know what to think of it. I, I can't even – I don't even know what Facebook looks like, but I'm assuming social media in general is just a total shit show uh, of you guys whining and crying during the games. So uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's just as bad on there. Thank you for all your cooperation. By the way, do you have a mint? Perhaps some banaka? All right, now that I'm done scolding you guys, Chiefs Twitter, let me talk about the game here for just a couple minutes. Now, I think we just witnessed Patrick Mahomes probably his worst game of his Chiefs career, in my opinion. And yeah, he didn't have any turnovers on paper, but he did have an early play uh, in the game where it should have been intercepted. It was right in defensive back's hands, and it was dropped. And then later on, the play that was blown dead by the referees, that also should have been a fumble overturn sent to the Patriots' way. And by the way, you guys, Pro Football Focus tweeted out this was Mahomes' second lowest graded game of his career, coming in at 44.9. His lowest of his career was a 40, going against the Houston Texans last year, just to put that into perspective for you guys. So, yeah, this was not good by any stretch of the imagination. At the same time, was it good enough? Absolutely. His, 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 his below-average games are well above average of, you know, he's not going out there making – dumb decisions consistently or doing anything wrong in that nature. And even if he did, he would make up for it. We know him well enough by now that say he did get intercepted early on in that game and the, the pass was caught by the defender, I think it was McCourty, uh, then guess what? He's going to make up for that. So that's just a matter of time throughout the game. He's going to end up coming back and making plays down the field. And I say I think it was his worst of his career just basically due to uh, I think he was trying to do a little too much when the Patriots were playing a scheme of literally dropping seven or eight into coverage every play. They were doing the exact opposite of what the Baltimore Ravens do, or what the Baltimore Ravens did against the Chiefs. But what's cool about Patrick Mahomes is even on his worst game and going against the completely opposite scheme of the Patriots compared to the Ravens, he still finds ways to get, get the ball to open receivers, get it downfield even a few times to like Travis Kelsey on a big play. Um, they just came at him with a style that forced him to play underneath but Mahomes was holding on to the ball a little bit too long, from my opinion. And some of his decision-making, I thought, could have been a little bit better uh, throughout the game. So, um, I don't know. That's debatable if it was his worst game. I know some of you guys think his Super Bowl was a bad game. I don't think that was a bad game, actually, at all for him. 
Um, I think he had a couple of plays here and there that could have been better in that game. But when I went back and diagnosed every play of Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl from this past season, it was actually not nearly as bad as what you guys want to make it out to be. This was a game where essentially the defense stepped up when it mattered. And Tyron Matthew had a really rough game as well. And he ended up getting a little lucky with that interception, the pick six towards the end of the game, where they just bounced off Edelman's hands right into Matthew's lap, and he took it back for six. So uh, the, the defense, though, in general, stepped up when it mattered. Taco Charlton had a great sack towards the end of the game. And coverage by Rashad Fenton, what can we say? Phenomenal job by Rashad Fenton. So he's a guy last year, if you paid attention as a rookie, was making some good plays towards the, down the stretch of the season. And so far this year, making some plays once again. So good for him. And good for the Chiefs as well, because we're going to have Brashad Breeland coming back starting this coming up Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. So adding back into the mix, uh, our top corner from last year, or at least debatable top corner between him and Charvaeus Ward. But we'll have the full group in. Uh, so we'll be fully ready to go. It looks like we're healthy and good. And um, any of the suspensions that we had at that point or coming into the season are now taken care of and done with. So... Uh, we're going to be full strength. And you're talking about a defense right now that ranks second in the NFL in points per game, only behind the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. So that tells you right there that the Chiefs defense is doing a phenomenal job despite anything we're going through within this season so far, which I don't know. We have, we have a long ways to go, but this team is very, very complete. And we're getting the full squad of what we had last year coming into this year, and it's picking up where it left off. And uh, I think we can, or even offense, they can score at will when they choose to. We have a defense that's opportunistic, defense that can create pressure, defense that disguises coverages extremely well. And Spagnuolo has been so amazing as, for us as a defensive coordinator uh, as far as the way he's schemed up things. And it's such a breath of fresh air. I'm sure you guys remember Bob Sutton. And we had to deal with running the Bob Sutton defense from 2013 on till uh, the throughout 2018 when finally we were like, all right, Andy, you got to fire this guy. we got to get him out of here. And look, as soon as we got rid of Bob Sutton, got Spagnuolo, much more creative mind, and a guy who doesn't really play a prevent in defense uh, when things are in the Chiefs' favor scoring-wise. So I think he stays aggressive, and that's exactly what you got to do to win games. And before I switch over here to a little bit of fantasy football talk, because I'm sure you guys would like to hear some input, uh, a little bit of advice. My team, my season right now is going really well, so uh, I do want to share with you a little bit of my insights on what I think you should be gearing your team towards as far as down the stretch of the season so that way you can win a championship. So we're going to be live on Twitch with the boys. It'll be Wednesday night, that is tomorrow night, and we're, our show will come out on Thursday morning. But if you guys want to see us live while we do our podcast with our background up, then go ahead and join us on Twitch. It's at SportsBuffoons15. So we would be happy to see you guys there. And also, if you have any questions for us live, we can answer those on the show as well. We're getting to that point in the season now in your fantasy leagues where you're going to be wanting to think about trading a little bit. You're going to be wanting to see, try to maneuver your team around. That way you have a little bit more balance. Or say you're really strong wide receiver, but you're lacking a good top-end running back. This is a time where you want to make package, package deals, you know, two-for-ones, or just look for a team in your league who we could benefit from each other, right? So if you're a stronger receiver, third week or third week at receiver, then there you go. You can make an effort there to hopefully grab one of his running backs and to add to your team while also helping him at the same time. So you got to think about things from a open-minded perspective of 
helping each other out. You can't just go into it and go, oh, I need a running back. Somebody give me a running back. This, this is not how you approach trading. That's not how you do it. You have to really study each team in your league to be good at it and understand their needs and their wants. And when you do that, then you can come at them with an actual legitimate trade offer. It's going to benefit both parties and they have to be willing to listen to. Because when you just come at them and, you know, with, with garbage offers, then no, that's, that's not going to work. It's going to be a waste of time. And um, it's just not, it's not a fair mindset to have because you're limiting yourself as a matter of fact. It's not even that it's not fair to, you know, the other person. It's not fair to yourself because you're not willing to put in a little bit of work and dig, dig in some research on the teams in your league to see what you need. So this past week, though, I did mention that I think your buy low guy should be Jerry Judy. And I still fully believe in that. Jerry Judy finally had his first touchdown of his career last week as a matter or this past weekend, I should say. As a matter of fact, so I think he's going to get on the right page. He's going to get around the, around the right path as time goes on and throughout the season. So it was good to see him get in the end zone, and I think we're going to see much more of that as time goes on. And then another guy I want you guys to buy low on right now, as a matter of fact, while it's there for the taking. And some people are going to disagree with this, but I think you need to buy low on Jarvis Landry. And reason being is the history of his career and the way he catches passes, the way he's targeted. Right now, he's going through the lowest target rate he's ever had in his career. Only been targeted 19 times, has 17 catches, 191 yards, and no touchdowns receiving. Now, he did throw for a touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr. this past weekend. But uh, I think we're going to see a major progression coming from him going forward because the lowest career total he's had receiving-wise is 81 catches for the season. And just even his rookie year, he had 758 yards receiving. So these numbers he's sitting at right now with 191 and no touchdowns, that's definitely going to change. And he's going to be getting more receptions as time goes on. So... I just think that's something you guys need to be looking towards, especially if you're in a PPR league. I don't necessarily recommend you going after him if you're in a standard scoring, but in at least half-point PPR or four-point PPR, Jarvis Landry should be on your radar because history tells me that this will come back around as time goes on throughout the season. He'll be getting more involved, more receptions, and he's a guy who does stay healthy. So those are not typically issues you have to worry about with Jarvis Landry. He's only missed a couple games throughout his career, so... That is consistency that you want to see. And if you're needing a receiver who's going to be consistent for you weekly, he's a guy you want to consider for sure because he is their underneath slot receiver. So he's their underneath guy who's going to be catching some of the short passes, you know, the three to five yard routes. And from there, you know, he could take it somewhere still. He can still, he's still got a little bit of speed. He's he's made some plays down the field in his career, even though he's well known as an underneath receiver. So uh, he's a guy I recommend highly going after in your fantasy league. And I'm not sure those of you out there that's a Joe Mixon owner, but I think now is the time to definitely sell on Joe Mixon if you have him on your roster. Coming in this week, he just had games of 5 points, 12 points, 7 points, and then had 42 points this past weekend, 151 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And the reason I say Joe Mixon needs to be sold is partially due to the fact of the bad team he's on. That is an issue. Strict. Absolutely. I mean, unless he's playing against another bad team like the Jacksonville Jaguars he just faced, then I think you need to be weary of wanting to start him on your team. And now, to, now is the time, while his numbers are up, while he's currently ranked as an RB7 in PPR scoring formats, this is the time to try to sell high on him just due to people knowing his name and the talent he has and potentially he has. Because they got games coming up against at Baltimore, at Indianapolis, and then Cleveland after that, and then Tennessee after that, and then the bye week. I definitely see a regression coming for Joe Mixon. And as time goes on throughout the season, you know he's going to end up coming down. 
against a pretty fairly easy schedule at the end. I mean, he's got Miami, Dallas, Pittsburgh, and then finishes at Houston. So by then, that's a little ways out, so we're not real sure where those teams are going to be sitting. But I know for at least right now, he's not going to benefit your team. So if you're looking to get some wins, if you're sitting at 2-2 two and two and you're trying to turn this thing around and you get up to 5-3 get up to five and three in the next few weeks here, maybe even 6-2, and two, you want to win your next few games, now is probably the time to trade off Joe Mixon, try to get yourself a uh, you know, higher-end receiver if someone in your league has a you know, plethora of extra receivers. And real quick, before we wrap up the show here, I want to talk a little strategy with you where we're not based around certain players, buy or sell, I want to talk with you about possibly trading away a player before a bye week hits. Because we're entering week five now coming up in the NFL season, which is the beginning of bye weeks in all of our leagues. So I have a strategy here that I apply or I have applied before in the past. And that is when I look at my certain players on my roster, I do try to look at when their bye weeks are coming up. And I try to match them up as far as see if I can package them in a trade offer and offload them before the bye week hits. Um, and in that case, like, you know, if I got a bye week coming up in week six for one of my running backs or one of my receivers, and say the receiver I want is on a bye week currently, then I will actually, if I feel comfortable enough with my roster the way it sits, I'm willing to give an offer to another team for that player on a bye week. Basically, you're helping that player get, give him a uh, bona fide starter for that week when his player is on a buy. So you're basically backloading for your team. If you feel comfortable enough to do this, I recommend it highly because you can end up getting higher end player, better value players for what you're offering that other team team and opponent. So, you know, if you're coming at a guy, let's just give you an example real quick. In fact, I'm going to give you an example directly from my league right now. So right now in my league, there is a team that owns Devontae Adams. Wide receiver is going to be on a bye week this week with the Packers. He's also been coming off of an injury. Now, when I look at this player's roster, he's also got Allen Robinson and LaVisca Chenault Jr. is his other receiver options, and then Deontay Johnson. So this owner right here is going to be getting very annoyed. He's getting antsy. He's going to want to get some production finally because Adams has been out with an injury, and then the bye week piled on with it. It's like, yes, we know he's going to be back coming after the bye week, but if this guy's sitting here and he's trying to win now, then I know I can come at him with an offer for Devontae Adams, who we know is an elite receiver, and potentially get him away from there. Now, maybe I come at him and I offer him a guy like Sammy Watkins, who is going to be on a bye week in week seven. So his bye week's going to be after that, but I know I can give up Sammy Watkins. When I know I'm on my bench here, I just had Juju Smith-Schuster sitting there, so I know I can make that move and swap in and not worry too much. I'll just end up starting my other receivers there with Devontae Parker, Miko Hardman, who's also going to be getting more involved with the offense as time goes on. We saw Hardman uh, actually playing mainly with the starters over uh, Demarcus Robinson against the New England Patriots. So in my situation here for this one, uh, I already know I have depth at receiver, but I can go and make it even better and potentially get an elite receiver if I can swindle this guy away with this opponent knowing he's going to be on a bye week. So it's easier to make this happen when the guy that you're going for or the team you're looking at has a losing record. If they're sitting there at 0-4 or 1-3, then they're thinking to themselves, okay, I need to make a move now. I can't afford to worry about picking up a you know waiver wire claim wide receiver and then hoping I get lucky and get more than 10 points. Like, no, give an offer, give him Sammy Watkins, and then, boom, there you go. you got a starter for that week, and in your return, you're going to end up getting an elite player. So it's a strategy to use to try to apply, and uh, it's something I've done before in the past, which I've 
found success with as far as building the roster for the back end of the season, which is what matters the most. So I'm sure some of you guys are going to think I'm crazy for that, though. Uh, I like to think a lot about a lot of different strategies as far as how to build teams, and uh, especially in the trading market, where I think now in my, in my league personally, actually, I don't think people like to trade with me anymore just because I have found more success in my trades than I have losses for sure. Okay, guys, give us a follow on Twitter, at Sports Buffoons, but no whining and crying, all right? There's going to be times this season where the Chiefs, I think, we're going to lose a game at some point. I don't want to get on there and see y'all making a big, oh, Mahomes isn't the same anymore, and the defense, and Clyde isn't doing enough, and you guys are going to get on there whining and crying. It's like, it's football. It's the NFL. It's going to happen at some point. It's the way it works. It's the way it is. Deal with it. Understand we have a great, great, great team here. There's going to be ups and downs. There's frustrating moments. I mean, there's going to be points in the season where maybe Butker does miss a game-winning kick and we end up losing a game. We saw that against the Titans last year. In fact, the last time we lost was due to a blocked field goal uh, against them in that crazy game where Derek Henry ran all over us. And actually, now that I think about it, we haven't lost a game since we got Mike Pinnell on the team. So that's actually or at least starting, I should say. So that's actually pretty interesting. And just it came to my mind there as I was saying that out loud. So anyways, guys, um, thank you so much for joining in with me and listening to me rant and ramble for a little bit today with you guys. I hope you think about the strategy I was talking about with fantasy and also look into the players I mentioned. I definitely recommend Jarvis Landry for sure. And I recommend selling Joe Mixon just because you're not going to get consistent production out of him throughout the season. So um, anyways, you guys, I will see you all on the next one.